welcome everybody lowland cycling podcast um we have a different type of show today so in the past we did many interviews um i think we did 34 35 uh, episodes up until now and with all the cycling and cycling news going on we figured it's probably time to to change it up a little bit we will be doing interviews um because they're just a ton of fun and there are so many in, many interested uh, folks in the in the cycling and the cycling industry that uh, you know we won't abandon that but there's a lot of cycling news and uh, if you look at the uh, the intro um or the you know our mission statement it's really delivering local domestic and global cycling news and uh, so that's what we're going to do and i've uh, got uh, two guests with me um one very very familiar to do uh, to you uh, jeff smith welcome jeff hi i don't jerk I'm, I'm doing great and we have a, a new face and voice <laughs> uh, to the podcast uh, jack kramer jack welcome thank you jerry glad to be here absolutely so you know um, cycling news and uh, you know we can most certainly say we are passionate about cycling and uh, you know we we started talking and uh, we started talking about uh, the format and, and making some changes and really looking at okay what value can we offer to the listeners you know value and fun mm. um, so this is a somewhat lightweight uh, but really crunching a lot of information into i don't know 45 minutes uh, we'll see how far it goes um you know um uh, informal type of conversation uh, maybe some discussions uh, maybe some disagreements i don't know we'll see how it goes um and uh, you know to kick it off um, i think there's one topic that really keeps a lot of folks busy currently and that's the the cycling industry right we hear about layoffs we hear about you know a company like wahoo with you know really struggling um somewhat look you know um related to to cycling peloton has been struggling for a long long time um with their uh, with their bikes and their their platform um uh, Jack, you know what, what? What are your thoughts about the cycling industry, and you know what, what what's happening? Yeah, it's an interesting time because uh, you know, of course the media picks up all the negatives, and what we're hearing is all of the the negative news about the cycling industry. And unfortunately, there is a fair amount of it. There is a lot of a lot of layoffs going on, and and you hate to see that because those are uh, you know individuals that are losing their losing their jobs. That's always hard to do. Um, you know, it's interesting though to me. You know, we had this bubble, right, called COVID, and and everybody, you know, the cycle—I won't say everybody, but the cycling industry saw a huge uptick from the from the the, the COVID bubble. Uh, it's one thing you could do: you could go outside, you could uh, you could cycle, you could, you know, explore the world a bit. So you know, so many people entered the cycling industry and all forms of it. You know, you know, I, I, outdoor bikes that we all love, indoor trainers that we've uh, become very very familiar with, platforms like Zwift, uh, and it, they saw a huge uptick from the. Uh, from from all of the activity, cycling related activity uh, uh, during the COVID uh, bubble, and unfortunately, it was a bubble, 
Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's all certainly not gloom and doom. If you look at the fork industry forecasts, the industry forecasts are actually quite healthy. Um, you know, you know, uh, annual growth of somewhere between uh, six and a half to eight and a half percent over the next five to six years, or what what most of the uh, industry analyst firms are are projecting for the cycling industry. That's fairly healthy, uh, uh, fairly healthy growth, but it's a far cry from the you know. 50 and 60 and 100% growth some of these uh, uh some of these firms have been seeing and i just think some of these in uh, you know firms got caught out and they thought the bubble was going to last a little bit longer than than it was and and maybe even some didn't think it was a bubble right and and i think those are the uh, firms that i think we're seeing having the 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 greatest the greatest difficulty at this point in time I mean, I, my uh my life prior to retirement and and full time cycling uh, was in the software industry, and we saw something very similar to this uh, during the turn of the century with the whole Y2K uh, situation, where all of the all of our customers, I, I dealt with software for colleges and universities, all of our customers and the industry needed to upgrade their software products to be Y2K compliant. This is huge, huge demand for uh, software upgrades for system upgrades. And you know it drove revenues to you know record level. It drove profits to record levels. We were hiring anybody we could get our hands on because we needed the uh, we needed the help to get the job done. And unfortunately, um, owners and shareholders don't like to see growth end. When you're seeing growth at ten to twenty percent per year, which is what we were seeing in the Y two case, they, you know, uh, they want to continue to see that level of of growth. And unfortunately, it was again a bubble, and it returned to the pre bubble state of growth. And most firms got caught being overemployed, uh, had too many people on hand because you were hiring like crazy. Like I said, we needed everybody we could get to uh, to to get the work done. And I see the same similarities in the cycling industry right now is where they had to hire just, just to, you know, even nobody actually kept up with demand. Right. <laughs> you know, we all were frustrated. We couldn't get parts. We couldn't get components. Nobody right. could get a trainer. I mean, so those, so the industry could not keep up with the, with the demand, regardless of how many people they, they hired. And now, unfortunately, we we've returned to uh, pre bubble states of growth and and we're seeing some fallout from the industry but but as i said before i don't think we should see that as gloom and doom for the industry we're seeing it back to a normal healthy state of growth right what we saw during covid was completely unsustainable right yeah absolutely and uh, um i think we use the term right sizing right mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's a big increase and if you you know i think today um gross Pros closet, um, you know, secondhand uh, uh, frame sets, uh, bicycles. You know, I remember during COVID going to their website looking for a bike, and and I noticed because you know um, I'm six five, so you know there aren't many bikes in my <laughs> size <laughs> available, and there were literally none. If I go to their website right now, there is a ton of bikes and frame sets available it doesn't matter if it's cyclocross or gravel or road or even triathlon bikes really specific bikes 
there is a lot available and uh, you know they are also going to go through a you know a round of layoffs and if you think about um, as late as um, 2021 when they got some you know 40 million funding you know mm-hmm. they still mm-hmm. have to make their adjustments and well and what's interesting with that funding and most of you know several of these firms that are, are having difficulties right now were actually acquired right. and bought during that period because again the private in private equity industry saw some phenomenal numbers and and thought there was an opportunity to uh to make some money and typically when that happens they finance that those acquisitions through debt so now these firms are heavily leveraged and their cash flows are significantly reduced from what they what they were and this is certainly the situation with with wahoo Mm -hmm. if they weren't so heavily leveraged they probably wouldn't be in the dire states that they are but the fact that they're their owners uh you know leveraged the acquisition now they have all this debt payment that's coming due from the from the acquisition um uh event that they're going to have difficulty covering because they just don't have the cash flow so they need another influx of of cash and you know again that influx of cash is probably going to have to come from some type of you know some their their existing equity owners a sale to another set of equity owners or frankly they may end up having to to go through uh chapter 11 but right. again i think um, you know if if they didn't have the debt re, the debt um uh from the acquisition they might not be anywhere near i mean i certainly don't know their financials they're private but i i don't know if they would be in the same dire straits if they right. weren't trying to cover the uh the debt from the uh from the acquisition right exactly. yeah i think there's also an, an element of um a lot of these bike uh industries or manufacturers changing their um the way that they do business, right? So we've seen specialized go direct to consumer. Um, and I've talked to some of the specialized shops and they said, you're better off buying the products online because you can get them cheaper than what our cost is, you know? And for them, they're, they're stuck with inventory that is mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. expensive than what you can buy online. So it, it's um, not helping out the dealerships. Um, and then you have the model of Trek, right? Where they have their own stores, mm-hmm. which is great but what about these independent shops like mm-hmm. like shirks that's around us right that carry many brands including trek well now they're being forced are you going to you have to choose is it going to be all trek or is it going to be multiple brands right. um so it's uh it's putting the uh independent bike shops in a tough situation yeah very much so yeah you you, you, you know you hate the word but it's almost like collateral damage right there is Mm-hmm. some events happening and it has consequences for for other parts for example the local you know brick and mortar type of shops that you know we have around us and you know that's a tough situation to uh to be in but um, um it, one company um and it's not so much bikes or gear or components uh, but it is <clears throat> in the cycling industry, which is really interesting, is Strava, mm-hmm. right? Also, um, Hypergrowth, actually pretty big company. I think they're close to 500 uh, employees. They have multiple locations, uh, two in the UK, two in the US. And, um, you know, they have um, 
done a, a 15% workforce reduction. And, um, you know, now there is this whole scuffle <laughs> around <laughs> the pricing, right? And uh, I think that there, there are two questions here. You know, the pricing is one thing, but also these companies, you know, the management, the leadership, how do they deal with certain situations? And I think, again, Strava with how they are dealing with their price increase, you know, could have being handled better um what do you think i think that's an understatement <laughs> <laughs> i think it could be handled quite a bit better right. yeah it's a uh, you know that that's a you know public relations disaster the way that they've rolled this the, the way that they've rolled this out and the way they've treated uh dc rainmaker i mean that's just you just know that's going to end up in a bad place yeah and mm -hmm. and i just can't imagine that their marketing and their leadership doesn't understand that you don't do it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, well, you don't do it this way and generate any amount of customer goodwill. Let's put it, let's put it that way. I mean, and, and in reality, they're, you know, in my humble opinion, their price increase is well-deserved. I mean, they haven't raised their prices in, 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 what is it? 10 years. I think it, I think it was 10 right. years. So, I mean, what other company has kept their price constant for 10 years? So, I mean, they're, they're do it. I think, I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they, they, they've earned it. They've certainly have added uh, features or whatever, but the way they're handling it is just abysmal. Right. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like a Netflix situation, right? Where they just announced one day, like, this is what we're doing. Um, if you remember Strava did this, where they had a lot of features that were free, Mm -hmm. Right, and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden they just shut them off, and you had to be a subscriber. Um, luckily, I feel like uh, Trainer Road has done it right, where I became a subscribe member for Trainer Road and Strava around the same time, and uh, Trainer Road just sent me a, an uh, update, just saying we need to do a price increase. But you've been with us for so, for so long that as a loyal customer, you can choose to not pay any more or you could pay different tiers, right? And they were asking for essentially a $10 a month increase, but they were giving you different levels in between, or you can choose keep the existing, which I think was was nice on, on their part, right? Mm -hmm. they, they don't want to, um, they don't want to bite the hand that feeds, right? Especially the early adopters. Um, so I feel like they had a good model for it. Yeah, that sounds it, be interesting. Effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like how it pans out for them if they do have to force people to increase at a certain point because they can't stay afloat, you know. Right. Well, the uh, another thing that Strava did a while back is remember when they disconnected all the third-party yes. uh, uh, apps, and yes. there was a there was an uproar by the customer base, and at least the, you know in that in that situation, within a week they re they reestablished all of the um, of the connections. Yeah. But it just kind of proves that they're operating a little bit in a bubble. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're really not all that connected. They don't seem all that terribly connected to their to their customer base, to the marketplace. They're sort of, uh, you know, I would call them possibly inward looking rather than outward looking uh, company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you see that happening when there are investors on on board. Often, and I actually don't know if if Strava has investors on board. I'm not one hundred percent sure, right? Because you know. Um, they want to see a return on investment. They want to ever, you know, see their 
investment grow um and um you know if you don't push back you get these crazy ideas <laughs> completely mm-hmm, disconnected mm-hmm. from you know what the customer what the installed base wants and uh, you know it, it 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 turns into this uh, you know marketing disaster okay. right but it seems like the all the companies are not immune to this i mean even shimano who partnered with Pioneer to make a power meter, right? Mm. And they just decided they wanted out of that deal. So they stopped support of all of them across the board. <laughs> it's like, if you bought that equipment, sorry, but you're no longer supported, you know? Um, so you would think that Shimano would have a better way of handling that. But yeah, just, that was uh, uh, that was a little childish, if you ask me, on their part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're now owned by one of our competitors because so we're going to you know, remove that capacity from the uh, from the with from the crew. I think that was a a, a pretty childish way of uh, of handling that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. But you know, when I think about about Strava and so the, I've been a customer since um, January second. It's probably, you know, uh, 2016. So probably back then it was like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to bike more and uh, let, mm-hmm, me, uh, let mm-hmm. me get Trafa. So, you know, I became a, a member. Um, and uh, so the announcement actually, I was looking at, okay, what is it for my price? So the announcement for, you know, the price increase was made January 20th. 20th. So, and it says that you will be notified 30 days before Mm-hmm. your renewal um, so for me that's you know uh, somewhere in December end of this year uh, but there obviously there are many many other folks that uh, uh, will be notified earlier and um, but you know there's a lot of you know emotion and, and and you know people rash decisions like am I gonna am I gonna cancel and I you know and I think what are the alternatives to Strava right if you look at you know it's always a trade-off. I'm paying an X amount of money, um, and uh, what is the value that I'm getting personally for you know making that 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 investment? Um, and then what are the alternatives? Are there cheaper, better alternatives to to Strava? Um, I think when it comes down to, for me personally, Strava, you know, there is seven years of history there. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to look back and go back and, you know, reminisce about, you know, the ride that you did in 2018, you know, uh, epic ride. And then you can go back quite easily because, you know, I, I change by computers, whether it's between Wahoo or Garmin. So, you know, it's a little bit disparate, a little bit fragmented all over the place. Strava has been the one constant collecting all my data, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And... um um, so, you know, do you want to keep that yes or no? I think that's, that's you know, an interesting uh, thing to, to, to think about. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, and, you know, obviously not everybody has um, the same amount of money to spend on, you know, your cycling hobby. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, again, what, what's it worth um, and what is the value that you're getting? What, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think people get comfortable with the platform, you know, right. and Strava does make it easy. You know, I love the aspect of going back and looking into my historical uh, training calendars 
and looking at my race uh, analysis from within there because it seems like it's it is has been apples to apples for years right? right they don't change things so dramatically that last year's race is now marked differently than how they're doing it this year so you can you i feel like you can get a good year to year comparison of how your fitness is um so i like their their fitness and freshness i use that a lot i use their calendars um i don't use any other training plans i had in the past but then i switched to trainer road because hmm. i feel more comfortable on that platform right. and their ai detection and all of that so i feel like there are a lot of people that like you said put their data in there and they have the historic data and they're used to the how easy it is and being a hub that can connect either a Garmin or a Wahoo exactly. or an Apple Watch or whatever, it's it's easy to use, and I think there's benefit to that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, completely. I, I found it very interesting. I think two days after the uh, DC Rainmaker uh, video was was uh, was put out there, I got an email from uh, um, uh, Ride with GPS. Uh, inviting me to import all of my data and giving me the very, very discreet uh, um, instructions on how to do so. Now, interestingly, I mean, I am a Ride with GPS uh, subscriber. In fact, I do most of my mapping with Ride with GPS. I just find their tools a little bit easier than the than the Strava mapping tools. Um, and I think that's eighty nine dollars a year. So it's actually more expensive than than uh, than Strava. Right. So I found that very very interesting that they were you know good for them for taking advantage of a of of, of a situation, but interesting they're you know they're more expensive <laughs> than the new rate of Strava. That was uh, interesting to say the least. Right. Yeah. Yeah, clever a little bit cheeky but you know clever. yeah yeah and, I, and i've been a sub, so, uh probably I, I started with the free version but i've been a strava subscriber since 2014 and i agree being able to go back and see that history right. and use some of the other uh tools that are connected to to strava uh so i can get things into spreadsheets whatever it's um uh, it's it's very, very valuable. I think as a, as that, uh, they've become the de facto aggregator. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I think the, um, what they say, right. If it's on, if it isn't on Strava, it doesn't exist. <laughs> right, right. 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 That's, uh, yeah, no, for sure. So, and so in summary, it's, it's, it's right sizing. Not every customer makes the, the the most clever leadership decisions how to manage these <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, right these things and uh, uh, but looking at at the growth and and you know the future for for cycling and and everything attached to it um, uh, it's still pretty pretty hopeful right agreed agreed yeah I agree so switching topics here um, January twenty twenty. 3 22nd um i, I want to talk about cyclocross um, i think we have been incredibly spoiled um over the course of you know the holiday period you know just prior to christmas and all throughout you know the end of december um, you know, both on the man and, and on the woman's side, um, incredibly exciting races. Um, you know, who wants to who wants to kick it off? And uh, you know, if if 
listeners are not into cyclocross, why should they be be and uh, and go out and and start watching cyclocross on on TV? Yeah. So when I was watching the the big showdown race in the Netherlands, right, which was probably the most challenging course, um, what was the name of that course, Jerry? Um, the one with the big sand pit that was off. Camera. Oh, right, right. Oh, right. no, that was that, 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 that's Belgium, actually. Yeah. Oh, it was, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. It was in Belgium. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I was listening to the commentators and, you know, Vanderpool kept bridging up to Wout and then having, um, technical issues going over the bars or just getting gapped. And the commentator said, cycle, you know, all these guys race road, mountain bike. Well, that doesn't race mountain bike, but uh, Pitcock and uh, and um, Matthew Vanderpool race mountain bike, and uh, they all race cross. And they said cross is the the hardest discipline because all the bikes are the same, so you don't have that technological advantage. Um, they're really underbiked, right? <laughs> so right. the tires mm-hmm. are limited, mm-hmm. everything, and so it comes down to just pure power and skill. And endurance. I mean, because you've taken out all, any of those advantages that they could have from a, a bike sponsor. Right. Um, and to me, you know, just getting um, this is my third year of doing cross racing. I agree. I mean, I've, I feel like it is just the most brutal, uh, unrelenting, unforgiving uh, discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so it's great to see these guys just going. You know, fisticuffs, just bare knuckle brawl every weekend right. or weekday. <laughs> in this matter right yeah and is yeah. you know for and for a, a general spectator you know you turn on a a uh, a classic or one of the grand tours and you know most people you're not going to sit through a four-hour race you know mm-hmm. i mean luckily mo- you know, most people will probably watch the five-minute highlights at the uh, at the end cyclocross you have 50 minutes on the women's side and 60 minutes on the men's side of just full out action. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just riveting. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch. And, and this year, the, both the women and the men's have been so, so entertaining. I mean, with the three young gals, you know, all 20 years old, you know, Femme Van Empel, Puck Peters, and and Sharon Van Van Anroy. I mean, they're just like, as you said, just, you know, they do their interviews and they look so nice and sweet, and whatever. And then they just duke it out, and it's like, oh God, the battles are just are just so much fun to watch. And and, and if you haven't had a chance to watch today's race yet, it is they both of them are classics. They are right. el- elbows out. Uh, it is it's there. It's it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. And, and today it is interesting. Yeah. So today's race. Um, it's it's was in Spain. Um, yeah, it was a very different race. Very different race. Very right? different it was almost race. like a uh, a crit, uh, but then cyclocross. So the you know the the ground was uh, more hard packed, uh, but it was still very technical. So they actually liked it. But speed was much higher than you know the previous races that they did, where it was just in mud and sand. And yes, they had a sand pit, artificial, and that 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 was somewhat of a differentiator. Obviously, the weather was better than uh, than back in uh, in in the Netherlands or in 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 Belgium, but you know it 
that the, the race and like you said the, the, the side by side and it was a very close race um, even with um, Iserbiet and, and Lawrence Swake were mm -hmm, you know together mm -hmm. with Van der Poel and Van Aert um, one thing that I, I did find very interesting talking a little bit about this race today in, in Benidorm um, and, and by the way small sidestep the, the reasons why they are there is because all these teams um, have their training camps there Mm -hmm. All in that same area, so you know it's a uh, um, it's it's a double-edged sword. Let's organize a, <laughs> um, a cyclocross um, race um, uh, because you're still because you're here anyways. But um, you know what what I found interesting is you know there was a lot of talk about the big three and 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 they did not disappoint. Um, but what I did notice um, was um, that 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 pitcock in a couple of the races, actually, you know, at, at three quarters or eighty percent of the the race, he he had to to, to let Wout van Aert and and Van der Poel go, um, and I, I found that interesting because that was not the case last year. Um, so you know what 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 could be behind that? Um, what 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 is your what are your thoughts about that? Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, he hasn't quite been at the same level of form uh, this year, at least cyclocross form. Right. Uh, maybe he's just focusing more on the road. Um, you know, maybe that's that could be a part of it. Everybody has good years and 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 peaks at different times, and and you know he may not be focusing on peaking during the cyclocross season this year. He might be uh, focusing. I haven't seen what his calendar is mm -hmm. this year, but he might be uh, focusing on something later on in the in the year, which means he it would not be appropriate for him to try to be at peak form right now. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Going, uh, he's yeah. just such a smaller, lighter rider. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like he, when when it's just Pitcock and uh, uh, Vanderpool, I feel like he was just always struggling on the real power sections just to stay on his wheel. Um, and then when, it, when you throw out in the mix, it was just like, yeah, yeah. he was <laughs> just didn't yeah. have that horsepower, that top end, you know, just to keep with him. Right. But uh, what is I mean, interesting is to see like the expectation now is that everyone hops barriers right. and they don't just ride the barriers, like get over them. They are accelerating into them, you know, keeping their speed over it. I mean, you watch, wow, it's just like he flies through it, you know, and if someone gets off and runs them, oof, you just lost like three seconds right there. Right. I mean, that's really, you can't be in contention for the top five if you're running barriers anymore. And I feel like that's something that's, knew that these guys have really been able to perfect like right out of the gate right. and uh vanderpool was just phenomenal at the barriers today uh he actually was doing them better than than walt was and he used that definitely to his uh his advantage yeah and that's a massive advantage that puck peters has uh, on the women's side, she's pretty much the only one of the of the women that can do that consistently, and she easily gains two to three bike lengths every time they, uh, you know, every lap they go over the barriers. Right. So I, I predict that we'll see many more women jumping the barriers next year than uh, than we uh, than we have been this year. Yeah, they have yeah. to. And and the women's just to touch on on the women's, it's you know this is this is absolutely. Maybe so. Last year was was somewhat of a transition year, but this is 
truly the breakthrough year for these younger riders, right? If you look at um, um, uh, Voss, Mariana Voss, um, Lucinda Brandt, you know, they're they're behind. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, yes, they will have an in, in, more like incidental, you know, when they're there. Um, and then you never know, right? Uh, so the uh, the world is in two weeks two week, from two now. Week. Two weeks, yeah. You know, you you never know. There are always surprises, but you know com the consistency with these three younger girls, twenty years uh, old, all of them um, has been, you know, has been amazing. And uh, you know, I, I when you look at uh, Fem van Empel, she went to uh, Jumbo Visma, um, so she's actually riding with Marianne mm -hmm. Voss. Mm -hmm. um, I think she has a great career ahead of her, also on the road. You know, I think her endurance and her power, you see it. Today you saw it in the race. She wasn't sprinting. Everybody was sprinting in her wheel and she was just riding away in mm -hmm, the saddle. Mm -hmm. Just so much power was 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 amazing to see. And then you have Puk Pietersen, um, and, and and I think her goal is uh, Paris 2024 on the mountain bike. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she is so technically skilled um, also on the mountain bike that... Uh, you know, it's going to be really, really exciting uh, to to watch. Um, you know, on, a little bit on the on the, on the female side also. Then you have Zoe Backstead from mm. uh, from England and uh, daughter uh, of Magnus Backstead. Uh, you know, the former sprinter, um, and she's she's on in her on a league of her own also, right? So it's just super exciting to 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 see that, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, whether um, Puck and and Shireen choose to ride in the right. under three mm -hmm. category or the elite women, because I think Fem is already um, she rode in the elite, so she has to stay in the in the elite. Where I think the the other two have a choice yet for this uh, for this upcoming worlds. Right, right. I, I believe the one of the you know. Parts of the decision for Puk Peterson is also the mountain biking. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know, if she's not a you know professional yet, uh, that will give her an advantage for you know the the, mm -hmm. the mountain biking that she right. wants to do too. Yeah, yeah, good, very good point. Yeah, cool. So you know, um, looking at the at the, the cyclocross calendar, um, um, and it was you know in Matthew van der Poel, you know, in the in the after the race interviews. You know, he could not deny that he was looking to forward to take some rest. You know, obviously he has his uh, his back issues. Um, uh, he won today, but uh, um, they're not completely gone yet. Um, and uh, you know, so all eyes are on the the, the world uh, championships, um, and then and then the road season. Um, that's uh, uh, that's you know, you know, after the world championships, there. Are a number of races, uh, but I don't think we see. Well, we'll see uh, Wout van Aert or Pitcock or Matthew van der Poel afterwards on the cyclocross bike again. It's all better on the on, on the road, um, and the um, so it's February fifth. Uh, um, that's when you have the Hoger Heide World Championship. So that's in the in the Netherlands, which will be mm -hmm. uh, very very exciting. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. 
there was some more racing going on on the road. Um, so we had the uh, the tour down under. Um, I, I saw bits and pieces of it. One one thing that you know just caught my eye is there were a lot of crashes um, with some you know substantial uh, um, victims uh, or vic- yeah um, of 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 those crashes. Um, and uh, but some exciting races. Uh, races the you know the stages were shorter. Um, but um, um, you know, uh, Australians um, uh, were doing really, really well. Um, have you seen any of the the tour down on the races? Have you seen you know? Um, yeah, I've watched the 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 highlights of each of, of right. each of the each of the days. Yeah, so I certainly haven't sat and watched uh, uh, a lot, but I've probably seen the the major pieces of it. And and yeah, I agree. It's been some pretty exciting races. I do like when the the stages are shorter right because I, I think that uh that creates a little bit more of a of a, an environment where there's some urgency to the to the racing so i i really do enjoy when the race organizers uh, put in shorter stages punchier stages because uh, then they to me they become a bit more interesting than you know is the peloton going to catch the breakaway that 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 formed that kilometer zero mm-hmm. and has been out front for 200 kilometers and they get caught within the last 10 kilometers i mean it's just it's it's almost too predictive you right. know too too um too easy to predict where the shorter stages i think generate a little bit more uh variety in of of racing right yeah no absolutely um general classification so um uh, j vine one um so he moved from alpacin to uh, uae um, and j vine is an interesting story uh, because he was he came to alpacin from the swift academy mm, that's right he did didn't he right. yeah yeah so yeah it's uh you know good for him um i think that's that's a, a great step um he's he's more like a climber um, and I think you know the team around Mathieu van der Poel at Alpecin, you know, um, it's 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 built around him. Um, so I think that's a great step for him to uh, uh, to to make to to UAE. Um, you know, maybe in support of uh, Pogacar and um, uh, see if he can uh, can support him. But he's a, he's a, he's a very very strong rider. I you know I like. Uh, um, the way he rides and uh, always attacking and uh, you know um, so that's that's great uh, simon yates came in second yeah he was doing well yeah yep. he was doing very well and in third praise it was pelo bilbao and then in fourth um very young super talented guy uh, magnus sheffield from the mm, us right 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 um riding for uh, uh, ineos um so that's uh, you know um no slouches in a tour of down under it was a good good race good you know uh riders and uh um the next the calendar for which is interesting so the next big race is really the uae tour tour um starting uh, february uh 2nd um you know that's the race that Pogacar has to win. Mm-hmm, <laughs> He's right. obligated to win. He's it. obligated to win. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Um, um, 
that's always interesting to me because uh, I spent uh, some time in the mm. in the UAE and have actually cycled on some of those roads. So I uh, it's it's interesting to see how fast they're going up them versus how fast I went up them. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's always, uh, you know, if 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 it gets windy, right, oh, you'll have your yeah. echelons, and uh, yep. you know that's. That's I think that's one of the more interesting parts of the UAE tour because literally it's the desert <laughs> and right. there is this road right. miles and miles and miles uh, tens of miles uh, through the desert. Um, so those are interesting, uh, you know, picture on the on the TV. Um, and then you know people call it the opening you know of of the, the classic season um so uh, the february 25th um omlope had news blood mm-hmm. um so that's uh, you know very familiar terrain um in uh, in in belgium um with a lot of the you know familiar climbs um and then you go into you know uh, strada bianchi parinis tirreno adriatico milan sanremo you know, it's going to be races, classics, almost every week. Um, so, you know, I can't wait uh, to do that. The beauty, you know, the beauty for me living in the U.S. now for a while is that I'm watching these races and they end before noon. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? Right. So right. it's, right. Uh, you know multitasking doing some zone two riding and yeah, watching right, the race right. Um, right. and um, um, you know you're you're done before noon and uh, you, you've pretty much the whole day in front of you you know if you watch them in uh, you know back in 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 europe um it's it's you know, you're 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 sitting behind the tv for uh, for the whole uh, basically the whole day um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So that's you know that's a nice small advantage right um Okay, cool. Any any anything else um, uh, to mention for now? Around the forty-two hour mark. Yeah, I just think it's interesting how these uh, early season races used to be. Just everyone would kind of roll into them, right. just kind of stretch their legs, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. take it easy, right? Shake off the yeah, rust. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, take the B team, shake out the equipment, right. and now it's just full gas. Full right? gas, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. 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 So. I, I still think that has to do had to do with uh, with COVID, and then, and we we spoke about it in one of the podcasts mm-hmm. before, uh, uh, Jeff, where. During COVID, they never knew when their next race was going to be or if it was going to happen at all because, you know, they could run into uh, COVID and it would be canceled. Or So each and every race was like it was their only race. Um, and that's, you know, what I think is that where, you know, uh, many of these, especially the young guys, you know, kind of evolved into, hey, I can race hard every race um, and still be able to manage, right? Um, and I think that's such an interesting development from, you know, how the, you know, to your point, uh, Jeff, you know, getting into the racing and, and you know, maybe the B team and getting really specific on what you want to do. So, you know, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, I would like to think that's part of, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, 
the evolving and obviously it's also pure talent right i think we're so super spoiled with you know all these young guys and you know uh, women uh, obviously also but you know even the pool and um you know uh, pitcock and um, uh, pokachar and you know bernal seems to be you know on track to to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to returning so you know it's going to be so mm -hmm. so exciting and we'll we'll be talking about it regularly right yeah, yeah i think so yeah okay excellent um so for the listeners if you have any you know questions or any um uh, share a different opinion uh, please let us know um, um, you can leave those in uh, you know on your favorite uh, um, podcast platform um, and uh, you know we'll hope you'll uh, you'll listen again next week and uh, thank you for listening for now thank you all right thanks jerry thanks everybody thanks jerry thank you <laughs>